This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there, listeners. Eric with an A here. And today we're bringing you a special episode of the Tech Money Podcast. As you know, aside from hosting this podcast, Malcolm has a day job as a certified financial planner, helping clients analyze and take action on some of their most complex financial decisions. And as you can imagine, one of the most intricate of such conversations where financial planners get involved the most tends to be the one around purchasing or refinancing a home. Thus, Malcolm recently began working with a team at Fortis Mortgage as a strategic consultant, where he lends his expertise and perspective in helping borrowers with unique and sometimes challenging financial structures understand and navigate the mortgage landscape. In keeping with the ultimate goal of this show, to help close the information gap when it comes to personal finance, Malcolm will be inviting you, the listening audience, to sit in on conversations between himself and Fortis's Director of Business Development, Desiree Ragusi, where together they will discuss a particular mortgage topic, giving you some real-world examples and the perspective of the lender, underwriter, and loan originator in a series we're calling Office Hours with Desiree and Malcolm. So with that, Desiree, Malcolm, take it away. Hey, folks. Thanks for joining us. I'm Malcolm Etheridge. That's Desiree Ragusi, and this is Office Hours. On this episode, we're talking about what happens when you're relocating and need to buy a new house before you can sell the one you're living in. And these days, with folks looking to get out of city centers and move into single-family homes with more space to stretch out, it's not uncommon to need to carry two mortgages for a short time while moving from the old house into the new one and then getting the old house sold to pay off an existing loan. And thus, mortgage lenders have created specific loan programs to be able to accommodate an individual or family who finds themselves in that very situation. However, there's still some nuances that need to be navigated properly in order to make sure that both closings can happen without much of an issue. So that's what we'll be tackling here for you today. Desiree, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you, Malcolm? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm always good. So to get us kicked off here, let's just just talk about from the lender's perspective whether the lender even treats the borrower differently when they go to purchase, but they already own another home with a mortgage attached, right? So I know obviously if if I come in and I don't own a home now, I don't have a mortgage on my file, I look a certain way, but does anything change if I'm looking to buy that second primary residence, but uh, I need to sell it in order to, to, to get rid of the loan that I currently have? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I think also because of where we live, Malcolm, we also see a lot of folks coming here that may be part of the military. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they may be somewhere else. So now they have to come here. So they have to relocate. So maybe not even just COVID related and trying to get out of the city to go to the suburbs. But we have a lot of people in this area who may be transferring for work. Um, And that may be regular for them or could be regular for them. So I think the main thing to think about when you're going in to, um, you know, going into your loan process is if you are going to need to sell that home in order to have the funds available for the new property that you're looking to close on, you're going to have to um, execute the sales contract for the current residents before, right? Hmm. And then you're going to have to confirm that all financing contingencies have been cleared. So that's going to take some work with your real estate professional. Mm-hmm. Um, because if if we're able to get the current property under contract closed and funded before your new proposed mortgage goes in for closing, then as a mortgage professional, we can actually leave out the current principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. So that PITI payment every month. Mm -hmm. But what's going to change is if you do not have that house on the market and you're not executed, you know, you don't have an executed sales contract yet, then when you go into, you know, the underwriting period, they're going to have to keep that current PITI payment and that new proposed one. So essentially you're going to have to make enough money to support both of those mortgages. So now my debt um, to really ratio brings into account two homes at once, even if it's obvious or, or I've made it clear that my intention, at least, is for mortgage number one to be temporary. It still comes into account as if I'm going to carry that mortgage forever, or at least yes. to the end of the term, the 30 year term, presumably, of, of that mortgage. Absolutely. They don't. There's no way for them to know that it would be three months that you'd sell the house, you know, two weeks, it, it doesn't matter for them. So yes, you're correct in that. You'd have to be able to support both of those mortgages. But does the new house have to be less expensive then or equal in value to the one that I'm looking at since I'm planning to replace it, you know, at some point and usually folks go up, not down. So the yeah. one I'm planning to replace it with is presumably going to be nicer, I would imagine, than the older uh, home that I'm selling, but is there a requirement as far as the the purchase price? It's all about what you can afford. So if you're going to be having to carry that current mortgage payment and that new proposed one, that's going to factor in how much your new uh, mortgage you're going to get approved for. So mm-hmm. if you've got to hold on to that uh, that current mortgage payment every month, that's going to deplete some of that that amount available to you for that new mortgage. So again, Plan this out with your mortgage professional, because if you do have to carry both of those mortgages when you're getting approved, maybe you thought, well, I'm going to be able to afford a $500,000 home. But now that I have to keep my current mortgage, which I still have, you know, $350,000 on, maybe you actually only can get approved for Mm $250,000 on -hmm. that new house. So that may change the way that you actually go into this relocation period. So it sounds like, though, if I'm hearing you correctly, my, my two scenarios are I'm a person who has a high enough income and or the home that I own right now currently has a low enough required monthly payment that I can go out and look for that new house that we want to move to 
completely irrespective of the one that we're in because there's enough room for me to go out and buy that that next house without it really being affected by the one that we have today. Correct. Or I'm on the opposite side where I've got a plan to sell this house that I'm in today and then maybe look at doing something like a lease back on the on the other end of it, which would allow me 30 or 60 extra days after closing to be in the house I'm in currently so that I can rush to go find that replacement home to be able to purchase and pay off this mortgage, then execute the new, the new mortgage. Is that fair? Those two you're, separate you're spot on. situations? Correct. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's obviously one is easier than the other, but because yeah. we're in this market that we're in and you and I are both seated pretty close to the nation's capital where it doesn't really matter. Like you said, you got a lot of military folks. You also have a lot of government folks in yeah. the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And uh, somebody always wants that house. I guess that's the way I'll say it. <laughs> so it's never a, 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 a cut and dry scenario where you can say we can buy significantly under our budget and be fine knowing that we can go to the next thing because you're usually having a stretch up to get to the house in this area, not uh, you know significantly under uh, where you are. There are some people that are uh, perfectly positioned income-wise where one house does not affect the other, but for the majority of people here, uh, that's not necessarily the case. Um, but as far as the house that I'm purchasing, right? So I sold the one that that I was in before I moved. Now I'm in the new house. Is it possible to then refinance the loan on the new house with better terms once the old one sells? Yeah, absolutely. But there is going to be a period of time that you're going to need to wait. So I would say typically plan for six months. Now, keep in mind that most lenders count that in number of days, not time period. So I would contact your lender, ask how many days you have left in payments on until you can get to that period where you can refinance. Mm. Okay. So yeah. It's at least six months, but I've also got to consider things like if interest rates change or the Absolutely. closing costs that I paid to get into this mortgage in the first place that I wouldn't necessarily be able to recoup the second time around and all those kind of things. So there's also, I imagine, like some break even calculation that has to happen somewhere to decide how much it's even, you know, it's worth it. If it's worth it. And that's something that a borrower would work with their mortgage professional on to see mm -hmm. what is that break-even point for you? Is it going to take you three years to break even, seven, 10? And of course, um, if you're not planning on staying in the home for 10 years, then it's probably not worth to refinance it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you really want to strike as, as best you can getting into the mortgage that you're going to want to be in, in that house, it sounds like versus uh, saying, we'll take what we can get for now and then we'll come up, we'll come back at it later. Am I getting that right? Yeah, that's correct. Would it be possible though in this scenario to make the math work the way I want it to, to bring in something like maybe a home equity line of credit? I think you've mentioned to me before as you know, sort of one way to play this or a second mortgage as an example, knowing that house number one sells, I'm going to have some additional capital to be able to pay off, you know, mortgage number two or the home equity line or, or something like that, would that be another way to consider going about this? Yeah. Or, or you could even say, you know, if you've got a savings or retirement account that you need to pull from for the down payment and closing costs mm -hmm. and you get that settled. And then once that second home sells, you pay yourself back. Right. So you could look at there, there are options for you, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, a HELOC, a, a, a true traditional second mortgage, or even borrowing from yourself. And then again, paying all those funds off once that sale of that, that first primary residence is sold. Um, so you do have other options other than, you know, absolutely having to sell that house if it's, if your income can support keeping it. So let's dig into that a little deeper real quick. What steps yeah. can a borrower take, you know, sort of in advance? Cause you know, this type of transaction, traditionally, you know, this type of transaction is going to happen. Occasionally something happens yeah. at work, you get that promotion, you get that offer and something changes overnight. I've seen yeah. it happen with financial planning part. Like, you know, at least enough in advance that this is a transaction you're going to go through. So what steps could I be taking as the homeowner, as the borrower to make this process as smooth as possible? Well, first, I think it's with any, anytime any borrower goes into uh, that mortgage process, right? Uh, all of the traditional documents that you're going to need, make sure you have them ready two, two, and two, two years, W-2s, two, um, your last two months bank statements, and then your your most current last two pay stubs, right? So you're going to have to need those available. Um, I would say, honestly, it really is lining up with whatever real estate professional you're planning to use. And if you are not staying in the area, so if you're moving from one state to the next, and that's not someone like your real estate professional is not someone who can help you with both, then you need to be making sure that you're coordinating all of these uh, professional service uh, providers that you're bringing into the mix to discuss the sale of the home, the purchase of the the new home, make sure that your mortgage professional is involved, they're understanding timelines. Because again, as a mortgage professional, we may have the opportunity to not just close, excuse me, not close, but have the opportunity to lock in your interest rate for a 30-day closing, mm-hmm. we could do it for 45, we can do it for 60. So if all parties come together and we're talking through what we realistically think we need, we can in essentially say we're going to need 45 days because we know, you know, the real estate agents that are working on the sale of the home, they have someone they think is going to put an offer in this weekend. You're going house hunting. We think that the stars are going to align. It's probably not going to be 30 days. It's going to be more like 45, but they can get that the home sold get it funded, get the, the contingencies for the, you know, the financing contingencies cleared up and then get you ready to the closing table um, in that time frame. So again, it's about planning, bringing all parties together, make sure everybody's communicating and talking. Can you maybe share a success story or two where you've worked with clients in the past, maybe they came to you, uh, knew that they were going to need to sort of do this step one, step two transaction. They had it designed differently in their mind. And then maybe you helped educate them on how there's a better way, right. To go about this, to make sure that they actually get what they want in the end, which is get rid of house one, get into house two and have the best terms possible as far as the new mortgage on the house that they're going to be in for a while. Yeah. I think the most recent one that comes to mind is, one in a situation where they really needed to, to have that first home sell in order mm-hmm. to move into the larger home. Everything was for the most part aligned, but something fell through with that, that sales contract on the current yeah. home. So we had to go back in to re-underwrite considering both mortgages it made it very complicated. So again, the team really pulled together and was able to figure out 
How can they move things around? How can they adjust things? How could that borrower pull money from somewhere else? Again, like we just talked about that they didn't really even consider as an option uh, the first go around, made sure everything was there and in line so they didn't lose this home that they already had a ratified contract on. They, we were able to extend their close date by 15 days, which the mm-hmm. sellers of that new home were able to accept. Got that in motion while the real estate agent was working on a new buyer for their current home and um, actually was able to turn everything around where we thought, oh my gosh, this may be done deal and all, you know, everything's going to fall apart. We really just shifted close dates. And so you know, I think at the end of the day, we were really only over by maybe 12 days. Hmm. I so think that's it, sort of it worked the, out. That's sort of the gift and the curse of the market that we're in currently where yeah. uh, you've got all these bidding wars on properties that in normal times, two years ago, you would have never thought of. But that means that for your own home, if you're selling it and you get to the closing table or close to the closing table, and for some reason, something falls apart, there's a good chance you can go back to the initial buyer's agents and say something happened. I'm willing to accept, you know, a different offer, right? They may not have been the ideal one that we had that came in before. And within 24 hours, 48 hours, you could have a replacement for the one you initially had. But on the flip side, the dangers to that is as the buyer of that new house, house number two, having something go wrong with house number one that you're selling as part of the transaction to try and get to house number two could easily spook your, your seller yeah. and make them decide, right? They don't want to be uh, generous and give you that 15 days that, that you mentioned. And so I, I say all that to say, to your point before about working really, really closely with your realtor and keeping them engaged in the whole process with your lender and everything else, like keeping those two parties at the table and, and privy to everything that's going on, uh, I'm sure goes a long way in this particular market that we're in. Absolutely. And it, it, it's, it really can make or break a deal for a borrower. So I, you know, we have to work as mortgage professionals, we have to work very closely with whatever real estate agent um, our borrowers have chosen. So it's critical that everyone can communicate clearly and effectively. And that's always our goal going into these new opportunities um, with each borrower. So Making sure everyone's on the same page and is communicating, I would say, is step number one to that, you know, making that transaction go a lot smoother. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for another episode of Office Hours. I'm Malcolm Etheridge. She's Desiree Ragusi. And uh, Desiree, remind people where they can find you if they have questions or want more info after this goes live. Yeah, absolutely. So Desiree Ragusi uh, on LinkedIn. Desiree at FortisMortgage.com is my email. And my Fortis Mortgage pages on social media is just at Fortis Mortgage um, on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. This has been the Tech Money Podcast. For more information on today's topic, to review the show notes, or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out MalcolmEtheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover, or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge, with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by Proudmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening.
The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well-versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com.